0: not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin.
1: This is Dr. Dan. We're continuing our discussion of the grassroots movement in the Asheville Tea Party with the chairman of the Asheville Tea Party, Jane Bolello. So welcome back, Jane Bolello, to Freedom Forum Radio.
2: Well, thank you, Dr. Dan. It's great to be here.
1: I'm so happy to have you here because obviously the relationship between the grassroots movement and the establishment of the GOP uh, is something that's worth discussing. And I will bet you that you have a few words, maybe 10 or 12, that you can say about that subject. So the floor is yours.
2: Thank you. Well, the relationship, I guess we can say, is abysmal. We feel totally betrayed by the GOP, and many of us have left the Republican Party, uh, present company included. Uh, We've had it. We're pretty disgusted. Uh, Why? It's pretty simple. If you look at what the leaders of the party have done to what is supposedly Republican principles and values – they have taken those principles and values and thrown them right out the window. They no longer exist. All they are interested in is in party unity. They want us to sit down, shut up, and be quiet and follow their lead, and that is something that we're not going to do. And I can give you uh, examples of what just happened very recently. Uh, we had Mitch McConnell, who is the majority leader over in the Senate, Uh, He tried to pass a mass transportation bill, of course, stuff with earmarks, a tax bill with blatant handouts of special interests. a five hundred billion Medicare bailout. Uh, He refused to pray President Obama's executive amnesty. He caved on conservative polls to amn the Export-Import Bank, negotiated away the biggest conservative spending accomplishment in decades. He set up a Republican amendment, votes so that they would fail, and he considered ending the Senate filibuster, and even worse, censured each senator, his own members, for trying to have meaningful votes to repeal Obamacare. To make it absolutely the worst, and to really stick it in the eye of every conservative, he dropped the fight to prevent federal Zika funds from going to Planned Parenthood clinics a position that even Paul Ryan, who has also a failing conservative score, he couldn't even support it. So these are just the most recent things that McConnell has done that has left us out in the cold as far as the GOP. Paul Ryan, uh, if you look at what he has recently done, on September the 26th, they passed a continuing resolution that funded Obamacare, funded Planned Parenthood, funded the Syrian refugee program. It was a $1 trillion CR. And to make it even worse, that only funded the government until December the 9th, which means we now have a lame duck. And what happens in a lame duck, especially since Obama has taken over, is all sorts of issues. They pass all sorts of liberal, progressive um, bills and policies that that trample all over our inalienable rights and put us and dig us further into debt, so these are the reasons point by point of why many of us can no longer espouse and adhere to the GOP
1: let 's go back in history for for just a minute in the beginning of the grassroots movement. Didn't the GOP try to cozy up to the grassroots movement? Oh,
2: yes. oh yes. And They, you, they and, most certainly did.
1: And you know why, of course, that was, is they wanted to take advantage of the – they had a group yes. of people who were energetic, uh, enthusiastic, and, and ready to, to work hard for conservative values. And right. so they came on board or tried to get on board with the, the grassroots movement. To take advantage of it Which of course in my mind is another Source of, uh, of Trouble between the establishment And the grassroots movement
2: Absolutely And, and that could not be More clearly put out there uh, When we got Behind candidates that they didn't like Candidates that we Considered to be Republicans in name only And we still do not Do that, we refuse to do that and they come after us. They call us names. They slime us. Uh, it's really awful. And it's never been a great relationship uh, to this very day. We've also had situations with some of the grassroots groups in some of the other counties that have been taken over by the GOP because they now have this mantle of conservatism and say, oh, look at us. You know, we, we embrace the Tea Party. Well, they are the Tea They become the Tea Party. Um, and the folks who originally started those grassroots uh, organizations no longer are running the show. So its I know when people contact me and they want to know, well, what should I do? And I always tell them, make sure that if you are going to join a local group, make sure you know who it is that's running the organization and who these people are, because many times the GOP will try and co-op The organization. We're pretty sure we know who they are uh, and we usually try and put the the word out to the folks who happen to be in that area Um, but yes, they do do that and they refuse to acknowledge the fact that we will not get behind candidates who do not espouse our principles and values and they cannot demonstrate that we don't want anything to
1: do with them. You know, uh, obviously, vetting candidates is is a very critical endeavor for the grassroots movement. And I know that the Asheville Tea Party was very much uh, was working very hard together with ICaucus. Uh, yes. Talk about ICaucus, because that really, to me, was a very fascinating and and very important movement to try to understand. Who, what candidates really stood for. So yes. if you were going to get behind a candidate, you had an awful lot of data that would say, it is, this is the right candidate because these are the principles that he will stand behind. Isn't that what happened?
2: Absolutely. And that was another bone of contention with the GOP with us. They didn't like us doing that. Um, one of the things that I was the caucus North Carolina State Director, And we really grew the program. Um, It it was a very extensive vetting process. The candidate had to sign up. They had to take a 50-question questionnaire. They had to pass that with a 70% or better. If they got anything, uh, and it wasn't a gotcha test. It was on our Constitution and to make sure that the candidate understood what those principles were. Okay. Okay. So we did that, and then once they got through that, there was a recorded interview. We, what I did to grow the i Caucus here in North Carolina is that if there was a candidate, for instance, over in in uh, you know Charlotte, I would get the people in Charlotte or the Tea Party group or the grassroots group over there in Charlotte to do the interview. Now we had a set. Number of questions that we gave each and every candidate to standardize it. And I would ask these, you know, six or seven questions and then ask the people on the panel, you know, the grassroots folks on the panel, is there anything else on the subject of fiscal responsibility that you would like to ask the candidate? And some of them would and some of them wouldn't. So we would then go on to the next question. We tried to keep the interview down between 45 minutes and an hour, and it was recorded. And then once that happens, everything was loaded up onto this website, and then we would put it out there for people to go and listen to the interview. We'd have, an, we'd have a um, you know a one or two or three week period where people could go up and listen to it, and then we had a voting period. So it was true grassroots bottom up where people could get to know the candidates and then folks would decide you know can we get behind this candidate do we feel confident with this candidate and of course if the candidate already held office we would also look at their voting record to see how they voted on certain bills and we would ask them about those bills so it was um with very intense um, it was a lo- an awful lot of work. Uh, I know trying to run National Tea Party and the PAC, doing that and then doing this because we did local, we did state, we did federal candidates. So we did it across the board. The other wonderful thing about it is that if you were running for state house or commissioner, you got one written test. But if you were a judge, if you were running for one of our judgeships, you were given another test. And we, um, I managed to get several people who were constitutional lawyers to help us formulate those questions. Because one of the things, especially if you are running for a a state judgeship, like the Court of Appeals or the Supreme Court, You cannot ask these candidates anything pertaining to the state, but you can ask them about federal. So we had to make sure that the questions that we were coming up with, we were asking them about federal law. And through that process, we were able to uh, figure out where they stood. Uh, You know, were they constitutionalists? Or did they really believe that the Constitution was a living, breathing document? So we would sift through all of that, through the questioning, and to see how they answered certain questions. And it, it was fascinating. It really was. And, and, and the beauty of it was is that folks, I would always ask new people to come on the interview. When they got on that interview, they actually got an education. And that's how I learned. Because I was not the first North Carolina I-Caucus state director. Um, Mark Hopp had that distinction before I did, and that's how he got me involved. I just sat in on these interviews listening, and I got quite an education. So it, it was really good um, in the sense that, that people became familiar with the process, they got an education, and they could get very excited about a candidate uh, that they were going to support, and then they would go out and support the candidate.
1: You know, I remember the the interview. Obviously, I took that exam several times and, and went yes. through the interview process. Um, do you remember what my score was offhand?
2: Yeah, I think you got like a hundred percent. Really. <laughs> I think that-
1: i didn't have to pay you to say that did i
2: no <laughs> no but the the questionnaire i
1: remember the questionnaires were really based upon a knowledge of the of the constitution yes. and a knowledge of conservative economic values yes, con- constitutional absolutely. values if you basically Uh, If you understood what our founders in this country had in mind, you could score very high on the I caucus test, because really what the I caucus was trying to do was to find candidates who would emulate our founding fathers so that we could return to the principles Of the Constitution. And I know, you know, when I say, I mean, people, people keep putting progressives put the Constitution down, they say it's an old document. uh, What relevance does it have today? The it has 100% relative today be relative to the to today because of the fact we are talking principles of governance, which keep individual people free. That's really what the Constitution is about. It's about natural law rights. And the Constitution was written to protect and secure those natural law rights to each and every citizen of this country. Where we went astray was when we started going off the Constitution, which, of course, is what the progressive movement has been trying to do now for the last hundred years. So, I Caucus was a great thing, and I certainly remember it well. We're talking with uh, Jane Bilello, the chairman of the Asheville Tea Party, one of the premier grassroots movements in this country, and it's so important now, uh, now that really we have a president elect who really came out of this anti-establishment mentality. That was pl- that's a seed that was planted by the grassroots. Wouldn't you say so?
2: yeah you know definitely um you know we've been jumping up and down about this for for quite a long time and so, uh you know the, the the time came when hopefully we would have gotten a candidate that is going to is going to turn this around and we certainly hope that this is going to be the case
1: so so we have really two major competing philosophies one is the one of socialist globalism and the other is the one of conservative, free market economy, and freedom, really is the an, an American, America as an individual country, not a, a global unit. Mm-hmm. So that's really the battle that this was about. And what was interesting to me is is that this election here, followed by several months, the Brexit vote in Great Britain. I look at yes. Donald Trump's victory as America's Brexit vote.
2: As a matter of fact, someone uh, recently, I can't remember who it was, I was listening to some program, called it Trexit. <laughs> called it Trexit. And I said, well, yes, this is our Trexit. Um, it definitely. I mean, the polls had it all wrong. I think many of these pollsters, they better get their acts together because I don't think anybody's ever going to believe them again.
1: Well, I, how can you blame them? They were predicting a, a Clinton victory by By three to five, sometimes 10 percent. Yeah, what they didn't count on are the millions and millions of people who don't live on the east coast or the west coast who came out in droves to vote in our county, Cherokee County. The number of people who voted was almost twice as many as voted just two years ago in 2014. So, this people recognized how important this election was if we wanted to reestablish conservative, free market, individual freedom principles. That's what this vote was all about.
2: Uh, uh, Absolutely agreed. Absolutely agreed. And we just, you know, as I said, many of us were uh, cautiously, and we are cautiously optimistic that we're going to be able to do this. And I like the fact that uh, Mr. Trump has surrounded himself with some brilliant minds. I know some of them. I've talked to some of them. Uh, many of them are from Heritage, uh, and and they have really educated him. I was pretty impressed the last two weeks of the campaign to listen to some of his speeches and just hear what he was saying. And I said, "Wow, you know, what a turnaround!" So I was uh, I was encouraged. I was encouraged because many of us were not. Uh, that that's a whole other story. But hopefully. Surrounding himself with all of these folks that are going to be guiding him through this, we're going to be able to get something very positive done. And then uh, looking at the 100-day plan, uh, we were looking at this yesterday. I was very impressed with it. So So, hopefully that's going to all come to pass, and we're going to be able to do it.
1: So let's talk about the goals. Obviously, uh, the grassroots movement has goals. Uh, now that we've been successful in having a, a conservative or Republican president, we have a, a Republican majority in each House of Congress, what, what are you looking for as a leader in the grassroots movement? What are you looking for on a priority basis that should be done starting January 20th, 2017?
2: Well, A, number one, we have, Obamacare has got to go. It, it has to be repealed. Uh, we have to we have to get rid of that, and of course, job creation falls under that. Uh, we need energy independence to create those jobs. We also need uh, we need to put a hold on these refugees coming into this country. We do not know who they are, where they're coming from, or what they're going to be doing to us. It's impossible to vet these people from these war torn countries. So those are some of the things that that we are looking at. In addition to rolling back regulations, uh, making sure that we get rid of Common Core. I think you mentioned that in your opening statements. Um, And, of course, we want to make sure that we are protecting our religious liberties, our Second Amendment rights, and we do not have unreasonable search and seizure. And we've got to roll back. We've got to do something with the IRS and the EPA. So I hope that all of those things can be accomplished and that is almost easier said than done because of the the structure in the Senate and in the House and the games that these people play with these special interest groups. And that's where the heritage Program comes in, that's where Freedom Works activists come in, putting the boots on the ground and making sure that it gets done. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom.
1: Everything going to be all right this morning.